Welcome to Reimagining You the Pilates Way. In today's episode, we're continuing with our theme of identity and we'll be chatting about something that can be completely life-changing that impacts every part of us, both physically and mentally. And we speak from experience. So let's talk about motherhood and Pilates. motherhood. Whatever does it mean? Well, out of interest, I looked up a definition to prepare for this episode and it's quite simply defined in the Oxford Dictionary as the state of being a mother. So the state of the being, state a, mother. Of being okay. a mother. And actually, <laughs> I can when I... hear our listeners laughing at that already. <laughs> I'm not sure it means it in the way that we're thinking about, <laughs> but it was actually only a term that began to be used at the end of the 19th century. So actually that idea of motherhood hasn't been around all that long, relatively. Wow. So I delved a little bit deeper and I found a slightly longer description. I'm going to read it to you now. So motherhood is the word that sociologists tend to use to refer to the social expectations, experiences and structures associated with being a mother. And it's these expectations and experiences and structures and the impact they can have on our sense of identity that we're going to chat about today, okay? And of course, how Pilates relates. Of course. To that sense of identity, because we always have to relate over. It's got to come back. Whatever the question, Pilates is, is the, the answer. answer. Of course. <laughs> so I'm going to start off with a little bit of context about us so our listeners know where we're coming from and that we have, have a little bit of experience in <laughs> Just a touch. this. So we're both mums, aren't we? We've talked about this quite a lot. I'm mum to two boys who are 10 and almost eight. Can't believe I'm saying that now because I don't know where the last decades It's crackers, gone. isn't it? Yeah. And I have my children, I think what could be described as a little later in life. So I was over 35 <laughs> when I had them. Don't do the maths. And I looked that up because I think it used to be called geriatric. And yes. It doesn't seem to be called that oh, anymore. Really? I don't know whether this is worse. It's advanced maternal age. Advanced maternal age. Yes, so I was of advanced maternal I age. I love it. I've, I was told when I had my third that I was a geriatric uh, mother because I was in my 30s. Okay, well, I definitely wasn't. So <laughs> how about you? Oh, my goodness. So I am also mum to boys three boys my big one this is going to blow your mind more that like he is actually almost 18 oh my goodness we that's, just that's been, an adult it is an, and it's brilliant because oh. we have another awesome adult in the house yeah. who brings so much oh he's just so smart he's so much conversation he's interested in so many different things and it's just a thrill to hear him come home and share what he's been learning at school and we've actually been visiting universities <gasps> so we're way at the other end yeah, of, yeah. Of, of the scale which is quite remarkable I never thought on that day that I gave birth to Aaron about the day I would be packing him off to university. It's a really strange, surreal 
uh, stage to be at. And then we've got the middle one who's just gone into year eight. So okay. he's going to be 13 shortly. So another, a teen, another so teenager. another teenager. But we're, is, that window is actually quite nice because we've got an awesome adult in the house because yeah. Aaron's come out of that little moment of teenagerness. Okay. Just as the middle one's going into right. it. So we're, you know, he's testing who he is oh. and all of those things. So yes, yeah, so, and then we've got the wee one who's nine, almost ten, at the right right at the other end of the scale because he's still at primary school. Yeah. So we've got the juggle of three at three different schools at the moment. <gasps> wow. Yeah. So next year it'll be two schools and then university. That's just a mind boggling. And what's reality. funny is, isn't it, as they get older, I don't know whether you thought this, when they're really little and people say to you, treasure every minute and you think, <laughs> What? <laughs> well I do survive. I'm a hamster on a wheel and <laughs> this is what, what I, I can't treasure this. <laughs> I haven't stopped to think. Yeah. And then suddenly you feel like, Oh, where did that go? <laughs> Yeah, we're really acknowledging that right now because we've just opened up into this window of time where all three are really heavily participating in sports. Mm -hmm. And I remember people saying to me two things. You'll be constantly washing sports kit and ferrying them around yep. and they'll be eating you out of house and home. Okay. And that never seemed to happen. And it's like, overnight right <laughs> that's where we are all of a sudden so yeah we're definitely in that window now it's crazy isn't it suddenly to be talking about them being older when when they're babies and that phase almost seems like it's never gonna end what's what's the saying that the days are long but the years are short correct and it definitely feels it's like true, that isn't yeah. it? we've talked about in previous episodes that really nothing can prepare you for for motherhood and I don't know whether it was more difficult for me physically, being a slightly older mother, or because I've really no experience to to compare mm. it with. But mentally, it was hard going in those those early days. I can remember being in hospital after having my my first child and reflecting that only a, a few weeks previously I'd had an entirely different identity mm -hmm. and, and that had been mainly influenced by work and my career I'd been managing a team and suddenly here I was in hospital having given birth desperately in need of rest sleep deprived with this tiny baby who was totally reliant on me to survive and I did not have a clue <laughs> <laughs> and the whole world was suddenly my whole world was consumed with feeding and changing mm -hmm. and trying to work out what, what he needed when he cried and the surging hormones and the sleep deprivation, you know, just wow. And suddenly the baby is the absolute priority and it's all about how is the baby doing? Is he gaining weight? Is he sleeping? Mm. And me, who who was I? Who Who am I now? And in those early days, I didn't really even have time to think about it. Mm. But even today, in my, in my phone book, I was thinking about this, my mobile phone book, I've got people that are listed as somebody's mum. And you have the idea that I, it goes so far, I don't even know their name. It does go that far. And the thing is, I think all of our listeners that have children are going to be nodding, smiling and agreeing with us because... That is a, a, almost like an overnight shift that yeah. happens where you are in everybody else's phone. So it's not, it works the other way. You're in everybody else's phone book as mum. Yeah. That's just how it is. And I'm the same. We've got hundreds of people in our phone book that are just somebody's mum. And 
you know, I think we, we, we're at this point now where, you know, the children, the boys are a wee bit older. Mm. And so we're look, able to look back like you in that immediate moment. I wasn't thinking about any of that. And actually, I thought it was really quite awesome to be Aaron's mum, to mm. be that identity. Yes. It felt like something to rise into and to to cherish and to make something of that because that was an identity. Whether I'd thought, I don't think I'd thought about it in advance that I would be Aaron's mum, yeah. but then that's what you step into. You know, and like you, definitely earth-shattering change initially. I was younger when I had Aaron, so at the other side of it, I was clueless then. Mm. There was nobody blazing the trail ahead of me mm. for me to follow, and it was a big shocker. My identity was wrapped up in being a, an educator in further education. I have a really strong, still have a really strong belief in further education as a system of education. And I put everything into that. I worked all sorts of extra hours. I was just doing that. And my young people that I was teaching, I was parenting them. I was, you know, head okay. of pastoral care for a number ah. of students. And so what happened for me was when I had my eldest, when I had Aaron, it was so weird and so difficult to be mum to him and work out how I was also educator and mm. carer for all of these young people that had been that had been my identity for so long. So for me, it was really it was a, a a really deep challenge, and I was really lucky to have a very forward thinking health visitor ah. who, when I spoke to her about the struggles that I was having, and actually it was identified that I had postnatal depression. It was really quite a deep struggling time. Yeah, and she said, "Well, you've got the tools, the tools to help you. You just need to prescribe yourself exercise." Okay. You need to look at the skills that you have as I'd already been doing, uh, done some of my Pilates teacher training at that point and obviously dance, the, the, the yeah. exertion of that. So she encouraged me to do that. I did couple it with some talking therapy as well. So it wasn't just Pilates on its own. And certainly that was the package that really worked for me to work on who I was going to be in that next phase of my life what was my identity moving forward and for me it was mum and it wasn't it, I couldn't carry on being the way that the identity so I was to before. choose that identity and choose it and then go with it go with it and so yeah. one of the things I've got to ask you because mm. this possibly would have been my response to the health visitor <laughs> I haven't got time to exercise Oh no, but how did you how did you carve out that time? That's such a good question because it wasn't even a question to me. So as soon as she said that to me, it was just so clear. Oh well, okay, of course. I know exercise I, I could list to her all the reasons. I just hadn't seen it myself. 
as the way to do it. Right. So I immediately started doing things, Pilates with the baby. So we were doing mm. movements with, you know, I was doing movements with you, uh, with Aaron. And then I created a class. I started doing some some research online about things that happen in the States and exercise where you take them out with the buggies and I created Prammer Size and that got me through, you know, I just said to my NCT group, I've got this idea that we could do an exercise class together with the babies and the buggies. They yeah. were all like, wow, this is an amazing idea. Can we try it this week? That was on the Tuesday. On the Friday, I taught the class and I taught it every Friday for like mm, 10 years that is such an inspirational <laughs> story though just to have someone say this is what you need to do and then instead of putting blockers in the way like well I've got a baby so I'll have to find someone to look after the baby and how would I do that and I'm too tired and yeah. you know you could come up with a list of excuses you went and thought okay I've got the baby I need to exercise how can I do those things? Merge it together. Yeah. And I think because fundamentally I'm a real believer, you know, my it's important to me that we do what we can to help ourselves. Yeah. And that was something that I could do to help yeah, myself. Yeah. I just found a way to do it. So yeah. pre- prenatally, I think I've mentioned in, in previous episodes, I used to run a lot mm-hmm. and I'd seen other runners run through pregnancy with what looked like ease. I even had a book running in pregnancy so I decided that that was going to be me I was going to run you were going to be all the, the way through runner. yep I was going to be a pregnant runner I was going to be fit as a fiddle all the way through pregnancy that was what I was going to do I'd just run London Marathon that year um I was getting faster so I didn't want to go backwards if you like by not not running so this was going to be me none of that worked out why so I did run until about week 22 of pregnancy mm. and I just admitted defeat because I was going out. I needed a wee within five minutes of going out <laughs> and I was going out with a club and I couldn't keep stopping for wees. And then I had dreadful pain in my joints after oh, running as well. Mm-hmm. Really, really, it was just awful. And, and I realised actually this doesn't feel like it's doing me much good and then I didn't really know what to do mm. to exercise during pregnancy. I did dabble in a couple of prenatal Pilates classes that actually folded due to low numbers. I think there was only two of us going. Now, mm. I know as well as the size that you created for postnatal, mm. you've taught prenatal Pilates mm. for years. Mm. And I, I really wish I'd known about your classes at the time. Oh, we were so, having this exact joke today in the studio that somebody was saying, oh, I just wish that I had this when I was pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. So I've never really done prenatal that's funny to think of, Pilates, isn't it? yeah. Can you tell me? What is it? Tell me about it. I also want to just go circle back to something you said about that that you said you admitted defeat. Yeah. And actually, I don't think that that was defeat. I think that what you did was you identified and listened to what your body was telling you. And that's critically important. Mm-hmm. And it's something that... that you know, as I teach Pilates teachers to teach their new clients that we need to learn how to feel Mm. and listen and respond appropriately to our bodies and trust that you're an expert in your body 
And that was awesome that you didn't, it wasn't defeat. You just went, oh, my body needs nourished in a different way right yes. now. Yes. And that was great that you stopped running yes. instead of pushing through. Because I think sometimes we have a bias towards pushing through mm. and we start to dumb down and stop listening to the signs and signals and stories and information that yeah. our body is trying to give us. And I can be really guilty of that because I like to envisage an end goal mm. and then I work towards the steps to get there. And that's exactly what I was going intending to do. Mm -hmm. I was going to write a blog about it and Brilliant. I was going to do some race. You know, I, I had all these ideas and what it was going to be at the end of it. I wasn't, mm. it was, I was going to stop me from really putting on any weight other than pregnancy mm. weight. And... Mm. You don't know how you're going to feel until you're actually there. And I think that it's a, a, a you know, I often say to, to pre and postnatal women that I work with that it's an opportunity to learn you. Yes, yes. And so you are where you are and know so much more about you because of that experience that you went through. I It was a bit similar. This will lead into actually answering your question. It was a bit similar for me when I was pregnant. I was still dancing. Mm -hmm. I performed on the stage at the Playhouse <laughs> and in York and all sorts of things. I was dancing. I thought I was superhuman. I thought, I am so strong. I am so fit. I'm just going to dance all the way through this pregnancy. Granted, I didn't do break dance spinning on my head. I did yeah. leave that one to one it side. I, I did. did. I was dancing all the way, all the way through. Mm. I also was doing traditional Pilates all the way through. Okay. Unknowingly creating some issues for myself. Even I'm pulling a face I know. <laughs> I, and it's hard for me to share this because mm. I was just in ignorance. I didn't know what I didn't know at the time. And it's why I teach so, not strictly, but, but very specifically the prenatal work that I do mm -hmm. because if I had known <laughs> certain things, other things may not have happened okay. to me. However, the the separated abdominal muscles, the prolapse, the things that happened to me, because they've happened to me and I am who I am, I educate on those things yeah. to help people to prevent those things happening to them. So in the prenatal Pilates, you know, Pregnancy is a sign of health and well-being. If you have been granted the gift of pregnancy, we need to cultivate it. We need to work on maintaining it, maintaining you, training you for birth, training you for postnatal recovery, which means that we we need to keep up the exercise. Yeah. So when you come to me for Pilates, you might think, of, to use your phrase, that it's going to be a bit of light stretching. Oh, certainly <laughs> in prenatal. <laughs> it absolutely isn't. Right. I am training you for what your body needs. So what that means is we're looking at the, the change in posture. So when you're pregnant, your pelvis starts to tip forward a little bit as your bump is growing, mm. which which means that your lower back is taking more load. It changes the orientation of your diaphragm, so your breathing is affected. The muscles of your abdomen are, are under a lot of tension more than they're used to. So we do a lot of postural movements and a lot of things around breathing, about teasing out movement in the ribs to prevent the separation of the what abdominal muscles. What would be muscles. a postural movement? A postural movement, something like a mermaid. 
bend. So a side bending okay. action um, to improve that. We also do cat stretches. We do a lot of squats. The other thing you're going to be doing, I always joke about this, is that as soon as you have a baby, you're going to be carrying stuff about all of the time. Oh, yeah. So you're carting a baby, a car yeah. seat, a bag load of stuff, and you always, first time round, carry around way too much yeah. stuff than you need to. I had a friend that used to just not take anything. She used to just say, well, everybody else is carrying a bag full of She's extra right. stuff. She's right. So, you know, you, you're carrying stuff. So we need to teach how to lift and carry, build the strength so you can lift and carry. You also end up on the floor all the time. In, in the class? No, well, in, when you have a baby. Because you're on the floor because they're on a mat or they're on a... Bouncy oh, chair. okay, you yeah. Down with there, you don't get you? down, yeah. You go yeah. down to the so level. You've yeah, gone, of course. You've gone from sitting at a desk all day to now scrambling about on yeah, the floor with a tiny baby. Yeah. So your your body needs to be prepared for that. So we do loads and loads of squats, which are going to help the pelvic floor. It's going to help you get up and down off the floor. All and of, the all of the thing. and the birth, of course, yeah. training for birth. So, so logistics of, of prenatal. Pilates. That's kind of what what it's for. When would you go from twelve weeks? Okay. So after you've had that initial scan, and I think also the logistics are, you know, the thing. So I did traditional Pilates first time round, and then I realised that ideally you're not lying flat on your back. Ideally, you're not doing what we would term loaded flexion. So that would look like a sit up. You're not doing planks. Okay, so a lot of the Pilates... But would you even re- do a plank? Well... You obviously well, weren't carrying from behind. I was not. I was all out the front. Yeah. The thing is, though, that, that the traditional Pilates repertoire that most people will see on YouTube and Instagram, whatever, isn't appropriate in pregnancy. Yeah. So we have to take the principles okay. of what Pilates is yeah. and adapt it in the context that you teach in so for me i use the spring wall because it gives so much feedback and assistance it supports women and we have specially made wedges so they're not flat they're on an incline and it's just the most comfortable thing ever ah okay and so when when would you do that up until oh until birth birth yeah so we have sometimes we've had people come and they've been in early stages of labor because what else are you going to do yeah (laughs) so you just carry on as you are there isn't an end point until the baby arrives and then six weeks later you come back with the baby so what sorts of things have you heard from women who've perhaps started a class a prenatal class at 12 weeks gone all the way through to 40 what sort of benefits does it have so there are certain things that i teach Sort of, what's the word surreptitiously okay so I'm on, not, the slide. on the on the slide <laughs> so there's things that people come back and they say i didn't really understand why we were doing that cat stretch in that way but having practiced it so many times when i had to have an epidural i could hold that shape really still and it made it so much easier and they were complimented by the anesthetist this has come up several times and then other things that are really common is how much we talk and teach around the pelvic floor function mm-hmm. and how it moves and how it needs to lengthen, particularly in birth and how we use squatting to mm-hmm. help teach that. And so many people just 
it's so much easier for them because they've had that experience and way less incidence of separated abdominal muscles. That's been okay. really interesting over the past two or three years because of certain little shifts and changes that I've made in my teaching to encourage more gentle teasing out of the tissue. If you think about it, you know, sometimes they say, oh, you're gonna, you know, you're having a growth spurt. Well, what's happening to you when that baby is growing, mm-hmm. if it suddenly does a big growth and your tissue's gone, oh, it's ha- there, it is much more likely to have strain or tension mm-hmm. in the pelvis or in the abdominal muscles. So if we can just gently coax it out okay. over time, you're just making space. You're just constantly making space for the baby to take, take up. Those are really positive, positive stories. So... Yeah. With my first son, as I was talking about, funny enough, I, I didn't bounce back like I thought I was I was going to. <laughs> There's no going back, folks. That's the truth. I'm sorry. And probably <laughs> forward. afterwards, like going for long walks with my non-sleeping baby was about the best exercise I was going to do. So I did that probably for about, oh, six months, mm. even though I thought I'd be back and I'd be running. And I was too tired. Didn't have the headspace. So I think it was about... Oh, I have even been a year in. I, a friend asked me to go to park run the 5K. Oh, yeah. Yeah, on a Saturday. And I said, okay, yes, I'll Brilliant. go. So, you know what's coming, don't you? So I just went and did a 5K. <laughs> and that so, was the first exercise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've done. Of course you did. But I, it was positive because that hour a week on a Saturday morning mm. then became my me time. I was not... So a mum that pushed a buggy out. I kind of would have liked to mean because it looks so impressive. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I Not just you. wanted to be on my own. Yeah. So I used to go every Saturday, I'd do part run, and that's kind of really helped me mentally, physically. Um, and at the time, I also had a friend, Selena, who was coming to your postnatal Pilates Brilliant. class. And I remember being really envious of her confidence to take the baby to the class so she couldn't be on a Wednesday because she was going to Pilates what with the what will you do with the baby oh she comes with me it's a postnatal so I honestly just couldn't compute that that so you're going to a class and just take her with you and she's just all right and I never found the courage to go oh so second time around Mm-hmm. But a couple of years later, I decided everything was going to be different. Brilliant. I didn't run for a start. Brilliant. Uh, I did lots of walks. But afterwards, I gave myself eight weeks. I had a, a plan. He was born in the November. It was about eight weeks. I was going to do nothing for eight weeks. And I didn't. I sat and fed and just did nothing. Perfect. I d- well, I say I did nothing. I had a two-year-old as well. And then in the January... That was when I made the call yeah, to the postnatal Pilates class. And it was a revelation. I loved it. And honestly, it was the best thing I did on that maternity that leave. leave. Not oh. only for the physical benefits. I knew it was doing me good. I wasn't really sure how, but I knew it was. <laughs> <laughs> it was that once a week doing something for myself and meeting like-minded friends. I was going to say the meeting other people is such a huge part of going and joining a class because Mm. 
it becomes a community, it's social, it's supportive. You you talk with this with Pramer you share, your you share your stories. You like say, Oh, this thing happened and then there's a an echo of five other people yeah. it's the same. And then the reassurance and confidence building of a shared experience yeah. is absolutely critical to to your growth through you know motherhood yeah. isn't it and in life in general you know you were just sharing about your class that you do the reformer class that you do now yeah. on a tuesday night and the shared experience and the learning that you're all bringing to each other in that class even you know at this point in life it's so important and it was thinking about identity that class was actually mm. really important and that, and it was because it was people knew my name which is quite i'm only thinking about that now my Mm. son actually bizarrely used to just sleep through it most of the time angel he was he would just sleep which he didn't do at night but in that (laughs) class there must have been something (laughs) relaxing something nice about it it's the music in the space yeah Mm. i could go and he this is my memory of it i hope i'm not roasted into glasses but in in my mind it was fine we i could go to that class he would uh, generally be asleep, or if he wasn't asleep, he wasn't demanding attention, or it was that, I, and I could do he generally. Wasn't a fussy boy might, at all, no, he? he might have the odd feed or whatever, and that was absolutely fine. But it was a time to take something back of myself. So I knew I was meeting people and talking to people, but I was also bringing. I don't know how to put it, putting my body back together. It was self-care that you needed at that moment, wasn't it? And it's so important. I mean, it it, it is quite funny because you, I think we tune in or tune out. So you were tuned in to how idyllic and what a gift it was that your baby was doing his thing, Mm. letting you do your thing. Whilst it was a lot of chaos around you as well but you could still tune in on you because you'd made that conscious decision to be there this was your self-care this was your time Mm. and respect that other people's babies may be noisy and that's what they do babies cry yeah don't think it even occurred to me but i do know there was a scramble for the best chairs for your baby Cheers, there I was know. the swing. Oh, the that swing was really was a dream. That yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I love it. That's too funny. <laughs> so postnatal Pilates. Yeah, yeah. I do know a fair bit about it because I did it. Did I think it. until I was <laughs> chucked <laughs> out. Time to graduate. Time now, to graduate so. to the uh, <laughs> to the next level. I really didn't want to stop, but so our listeners can understand a little bit more about it. Who's it for? Well, postnatal is for for anybody that's had a baby and currently we have I have people in my class who we've got babies that are about six eight weeks old right up to the babies don't come because they're too big so two three four years old even oh really because you know they've just discovered that they could do pilates to work on their pelvic health with me specifically because uh, that's okay. a, you know that's obviously yeah. my expert area yeah so they they've just started because they can and they okay. found it and yeah. it's there um and really it it's for you can start this from six weeks post from six weeks okay yeah if you've come to me prior so throughout your pregnancy and you just squat a baby out and you're you know happy as larry the next day you can come sooner than that there's no okay guidelines there's no rule rule 
if you, unless you are starting fresh, if you've not been taught by me, you need to have had your six week post check. And I would like, if it's okay, just to add in some advice about yeah, postnatal check, because it's not standard practice for a woman postnatal to be checked. It's for the baby. Yes, of course it is. Yeah, you're right. So it's lots of things have changed over the years. It depends on your your um, GP practice, where you are in the world. It depends on many factors. It is legitimate and appropriate, and I would advise it for a woman postnatal when you go for your baby six week check to also ask for your own check so that you can be reassured that any stitches are healing appropriately if you had an episiotomy or a tear so episiotomy is if you had to be cut for an assisted birth uh, if you tore um, for your abdominal muscles to be checked so making sure that that there's a little little bit somebody just you know your GP just gives a little prod around your tummy just above and just below your belly button to check and make sure that your abdominal muscles are going in the right direction if you have any Sometimes, you know, you, we were talking before about you listen to your body. Mm. You knew you were like, no, my joints are aching. I think this yeah. isn't actually that the yeah. big ideal dream that I thought was going to be. Sometimes we have this inner knowing that something's just not quite right. Okay. And postnatal, if you haven't familiarised yourself with your own anatomy prenatal or before prenatal, you might not know what to expect you might not know but deep down there's a feeling that we have that even if it's a question mark yeah should I feel that thing there and you might feel uh stinging or you might feel a tightness or you might feel like when you go to pass a stool that you've got some fear <laughs> about yeah. that okay okay so these are things these are little cues and clues to suggest that it would definitely be worth just asking to be checked out. I think that's so helpful because I think at that stage, like I was saying, it's all about the baby. Mm-hmm. And if you, particularly if you, it's your first baby, you don't know what's normal. What's, nope. well, should I feel like that? Am I making a fuss? You don't want to make a fuss because you think, well, I've just been through childbirth. Of course, I'm going to be X, Y, and Z. Of course, this isn't going to be right. Or that's not going to be right. And you're not really sure. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, you know, I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole, but 90% of women who give birth vaginally have some sort of injury, right? If you had an injury anywhere else in your body, you do something about it. Even if it's mm. a bit of pseudo cream and a plaster, mm. you do something about it. Why wouldn't we? We're just not uh, set up culturally for pushing forward to get support and seeing that that is something that we can be supported with. And whilst your GP is not the 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 end kind of person to help you, they will be able to identify and help you identify if you need to go for women's health, physio support uh, and, and, and other kind of postnatal care. But 90% of women have anything from a graze to a major tear. Mm. 
That's, that's really quite, consider it's that. It's a scary statistic, actually, isn't it? So and just many to people flip don't that know. over, only 10% of women sort of get through unscathed. Is that? Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. But Pilates can help with that. Well, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've touched on it a little bit. One of the other things that I didn't really account for was that physical job and having <laughs> yeah. a baby. I can remember feeling absolutely shattered. It was heaving the and the enormous pram oh. out of the car, <laughs> waddling around the, the car seat, the baby and... If they're like mine, they wanted carrying as well, even up to... Oh, yes. Quite, and, and I, I told a story today about with my last two. So with uh, when Ewan was a baby, I would have him in a wrap yeah. on my front. One on my and back. One on my back. I could believe it. <laughs> my, I can still see them now lifting their arms up like this. Carry. Oh, yes. <laughs> I can remember after I'd had my youngest, I used to pick my eldest up. He'd just started nursery... And it was up a hill as we went. I'd have the youngest in the pram and he'd be good as gold till we walked out that nursery door. <laughs> and he would stand still, turn round to me, carry. Oh my would, gosh. Would not move. So <laughs> because it was easier than facing a meltdown. Oh yes. I had a little newborn baby in the pram. I'd pick him up, two-year-old under the arm and push the pram. <laughs> Oh my gosh, the things that we do, that's hill. a lot of strength. It's a lot of strength and strength. I had good arm muscles postnatally. I look back at the photos <laughs> and I think, blimey, I was, in, I was in quite good shape. So you have touched on a little bit, but I'm just interested to know a little bit more about that physical side of things. And I've said it before, I know we joke about the light bit of stretching, but I'm not coming to Pilates necessarily to lift weights or to, you know... <sighs> I was going to say not to get my heart rate up, but it's been beating tonight yeah. in class. So how does it help, help women to prepare and cope for the physical demands of a, of a baby and, and a younger child? Yeah, I mean, the, th- the thing with it is that, you know, Pilates is actually using movements that are much more functional. We do a lot of much more functional movements and working against load and resistance in the same way as picking your child yeah. up is because we're using springs. We're using things like magic circles and we're using a reformer and other bits of apparatus that's going to emulate and give you the feedback and support to learn the strategies of how to do those things well. Because at the same time as making sure you're strong and able to do all of those things, we're also trying to, or well, we are, bringing your posture back out of that, we were talking about before, the pelvis tips forwards Mm. and the diaphragm comes out of alignment. All of these things happen. So we're also bringing alignment back to the, the the changes that have happened through pregnancy as well so there's quite a lot of things that we we do in postnatal to get that you know to recover yeah. and to train for the activities that you're because now that's doing. the thing isn't it you the births like the i don't know the marathon and then oh wait a minute you've not finished you're not, done. <laughs> you're not done that's it exactly so yeah it's quite varied you've talked before as well about um the lifting out of the cot and the oh yeah so we do we teach a lot of lifting techniques we do a lot of standing work so that we are doing like just literally doing the things that you would be doing mm. but lifting is a really whether it's postnatal lifting a baby 
or just in everyday life, lifting is a, is a skill that we all need to work on. And the thing with the cot, the craning over the cot, if you think that maybe your abdominal muscles have separated, mm. so we would say you've lost integrity there, so it can't support you in the way that it might normally because it can't negotiate that lifting. And you might then hurt your back because you're lifting in that way. So we teach different ways of lifting for sure, you need to get a cot with a drop down to get them out yeah. if you can, if possible. Um, that makes the world of difference. And even using a step stool at the side of the oh, cot. That's a great tip. Um, we used, to, I mean, all the little hacks and things, you know, of course I have all, all those different things. I mean, I used to have at the side of the cot, so a step, because I'm tiny and, you know. Yeah. And uh, so I that, but also I would have my little um, spiky ball. So my little spiky ball there. So if I was just patting, patting oh, a baby to sleep, yeah, yeah. I'd just roll my feet on the spiky oh, ball at the same wow. time. Yeah. So that it was a little bit of something for me while we're just doing the thing. The counting one, two, oh. it'd be asleep by 40. Yeah, all, all of the things. The weight is 50. Yeah. So after I was chucked out of the postnatal class, or I graduated to the graduated. Tuesday night class, which was a revelation, wasn't it? We've talked about that before. Yeah. I had a baby, I had a two-year-old, and oh, wait a minute, I'm going out at night, and just for me. Uh, yay! <laughs> so in those early days, it wasn't really about the Pilates, it was more about I had an hour for me. And the benefits, <laughs> yeah, getting out. So what do you typically see in women at that stage where they're not postnatal really anymore mm. but they might they kind of still are you're postnatal forever if you've had a baby you're postnatal forever really but well you are aren't you well yes you are but i feel like i'd be lying if i said i'm postnatal now because my, <laughs> my youngest son is nearly eight but yes i yeah. know what you mean you are you you're you you're post you just had and yeah yeah. So the things that, that it's so interesting watching those phases and changes. Yeah. And one of the things that that often happens is people that come consistently postnatal and then they return to work and poof, like this. They've gone. There is a six-month window. So this is helpful for the Pilates teachers that I know listen to this because this is um a pattern that I've ah. seen over, you know, 20 years where they come and they're really, they're doing it. It's really important. They go back to work. <clears throat> they go back to work. Child goes to nursery, yeah. daycare, whatever. Yeah. Everybody in the house gets the cold. Ah. Everybody gets it. Yeah. So you have this rolling cold <laughs> yeah. for six months and then you come out of the fog and then you're like, I need Pilates again because ah. the niggles that you had before come back. All of the things yeah. that you'd worked on, they come back again. And presumably now you're more aware because you you've it. done a bit of work. You yeah. get it. So they know exactly what the answer is, that it's coming back in and getting back into a rhythm of Pilates. And... The, so, you know, helpful for our postnatal, you know, thinking if you're listening and you're going to be going back to work soon, I know what's going to happen. I'm sorry. <laughs> I've seen it so many times before. And then the the teachers just just have faith that they will come back because you've taught them well and they know that, yeah. they're, that, that, that Pilates is the answer when they're ready. Uh, and I always have classes like the ones that, that you did at a time 
that allows them, that makes it easy for them to get yes. to. So like eight or eight thirty. Yeah. That's what it needs to be, so that you've settled them or semi settled them. Yeah. So that you can realistically leave the house. You can come and do your Pilates, and the the um oh, the the kind of narrow vision focus. It's amazing how focused post postnatal we'll call them mm, post postnatal yeah, women are yeah. because that time is precious you know that that's yeah. how you know you it's very very precious yeah. time and they're much clearer about what they want to work on oh okay whereas you know it's all the learning you're learning who you are postnatal yeah. post postnatal you've got a clue and you're ready to you're coming keep out working. of the fog you're coming Definitely out of the fog out and the so fog. what should a woman who's post post natal mm. look for in a class can they go to any pilates class or should mm. they be looking for something specifically and i'm thinking about you saying and i know it was prenatally that you did the classical pilates and that wasn't right prenatally mm. post postnatally once you've done that sort of official postnatal pilates yeah. class is there something you should be looking for so really for? it it's still going to be very specific to the individual because if you're still restoring a diastasis or if you've got a prolapse it's important that you're doing an apparatus class which is giving you the support and assistance and feedback that you need a mat class where you're relying on yourself and mm-hmm, you're working mm-hmm. at your own body weight and gravity and just a mat, that's more challenging. And it might be better to go to that once you've established that you're get going in the right direction with your diastasis and your prolapse, for example. So something like a reformer class or spring wall would be absolutely excellent. So Talk to me a little bit, and I know you're going to find this so easy, about pelvic health. So, oh my gosh, I think it might be a whole other podcast. I know, you've only got a couple of minutes, <laughs> okay, it's just okay, one okay. question. How might a woman who's struggling <clears throat> with her pelvic health present at this point? So, um... And if she didn't say anything, would you know? I would always know. Okay. Okay, so... <laughs> they might be so from a postural point of view Mm -hmm. i can talk about that so if a woman's got some fear and concerns maybe the the uh, pelvic health is about incontinence or they might pass gas unexpectedly and not have control comfortable control over that so they might be clenching so i would see or a pilates teacher would see or you as a as a, a mum, you know, a post postnatal woman might go, oh, yeah, I am, I'm clenching all the time. So clenching just means tightening around your back passage yeah. or tightening your glutes or tightening around your lower abdomen. When you're tightening in that way, it's not allowing your pelvic floor to actually learn how to function right. properly. Right. So we need to begin by letting that go. Um, they might also... Um, be a little bit lopsided you know you might do movements yeah. where you go oh that leg goes woohoo and the other one's a bit oh, oh, yeah. a bit stuck yeah and that's a telltale sign as well or sometimes we do things like a roll up or an assisted roll back and you might go clunk clunk one half of the pelvis like one bum right. goes then the other that's another classic one too 
Right. Oh, well, that's really interesting. I often wonder what you can see in the... I can uh... see so many things. And the other thing is I teach my, my uh, whole body pelvic health mentors to look for is the smiles. So your gluteal folds at your bum, at where, where your bottom is and your yeah. ligands, yeah. there's a little smile. And the smiles will be different. That's my big secret. Oh, wow. I'll look at your smiles later. And that, oh, goodness. <laughs> <laughs> and that's something I'm probably never going to know, is it? Because you don't, you look, you wouldn't see that in yourself, would you? Unless you're, no. Yeah, I'm not going to go. Okay. <laughs> so fi- <laughs> finally, what about the later years of, of motherhood? So what things do you see in women who might come to parties when their children are a little bit older? The sort of things that we see really vary. Um, a, lot, a lot of it is, is the stress becomes a bigger influence in coming to Pilates because you're managing a lot of different things as the children. I mean, I know, you know, we're at this real diverse range with our children. And so it's more about the mind-body benefits yeah. that they're that's their way in, their route into it, I think, mm-hmm, more mm-hmm. more commonly. So to help manage stress and busy life at work, busy life at home. Yeah, so it's that kind of thing. What are the benefits of continuing with Pilates as your children grow? Well, it's managing your stress. It's future-proofing your body. It's also... A great, I think I've said this before because I really believe strongly in it that that you're setting an, an example to everybody in your life, not yeah. just your children, that taking care of yourself is not a luxury. Taking care of yourself is an essential, uh, it's essential to our survival. Yeah. It really is essential. So I think that's a really big part of it. You cannot serve from an empty jug. This is true. Yeah. <laughs> really really enjoyed talking about motherhood today and from a personal perspective I cannot recommend Pilates highly enough to help with the demands of motherhood through the years so I want to end this episode with Claire shares her three pearls of wisdom so thinking about those three stages we've discussed Mm. the pre the post the post post (laughs) do you think what do you think are the real benefits of mothers practicing Pilates at any stage through motherhood so if we start with prenatal, like I mentioned, it is a sign of health and well-being. Let's mm-hmm. cultivate that. It's not an illness. It's but, not yeah. an illness. You don't have to hide away. Yeah. Get out there, exercise, get fresh air, walk in the woods, do Pilates, do movement in your body yeah. as much as you can. Postnatally, I think we go from this identity where we just have to care for ourselves, worry about what we're mm-hmm. we're doing, to then all of our energy and focus is caring for another. Mm-hmm. And I think it's at that point that we need to make sure we still prioritize self-care. You know, the slogan, self-care isn't selfish. Mm. Reminding ourselves, just as you said a moment ago, you cannot serve from an empty cup. I really, really believe that. And it's a mindset shift that if each and every one of us made that mindset shift, it would change the cultural expectation because we would be shifting it from the inside out, Mm. wouldn't we? Which I think is really, really important. And I guess later on is the time as we're doing today and we started today is, is the time where we come back to look at what, what our identity is at this point and 
our identity is wrapped up in our physiology. It's wrapped up in our bodies. Our bodies are a map of mm. the life we've lived and it's a glorious, glorious map. This is the point where we can appreciate it, see the scars, the the stretch marks, yeah. the posture, whatever it is, and fall in love with it, mm. appreciate it and value it. What a, a lovely way to, to end it. And how empowering it is to think of it mm. like that. It's so helpful. I absolutely love those those pearls of wisdom to take away. Thank you, Sophie. So we'll be continuing with this theme of identity in the next episode. And I'll look forward to sharing more then. In the meantime, do let us know what you think of this episode. Like, share, do all the things you know you need to do to help us reach more people. And we'd really love you to let us know if there's anything you'd like us to cover in any of our future episodes. And thank you so much for listening. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye.